We'll do a live. Forget it. We'll do a live. Wow, oh, man, we are early, but <laughs> you know, keep them guessing. That's what I do. Um, guys, welcome. Season three, episode eight. It's our live show for the season. Uh, I made Casey do this because he's the one that makes me do live shows. So he has no choice but to be the live show guest. This and, is true. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I said, I said, Casey, listen, live show. I want to make it a really good movie. I want something that's going to captivate as many audiences no, as possible. You did not, you and did not. Casey said, you know what we should do? We should do a long foreign film that has complete <laughs> subtitles. Genius idea. Uh, so you picked 1954's epic samurai drama, um, The Seven Samurai, starring Toshiro Mifuni, Takishi Shimara, and Isaiah Kimura, who I'm, I'm guessing I pronounced all of those incorrectly. So henceforth will be known by their, uh, their initials. So, oh, um, gosh. So before we get into it, I do live show. I'm super excited. Um, I got the comments up. Although if you've watched past live shows, you know I'm horrible at that. So I'll do everything. Guess I what? Can. I can control them too, though, because see, I this is can do that. Genius. So Casey's on yeah. comments duty. Uh, I'll be controlling the banner in the lower part of your screen. Mm. So stay tuned for the big news. We'll do that around halftime. Um, but I do want to start off the live show with a giveaway. Here's the thing. I have this these boxes full of junk that I want gone out of my my office. Junk? These it's, are gold. This is all are, this is all uh, random stuff gold. that I've accumulated over the years. Um, and I'm willing to send it to all you you viewers and listeners and watchers. Um, with the ca caveat that if you live halfway across the world, you will need to pay for shipping or tell me somebody local that I can hand it off to. Um, so let's get right into it. I want to start with uh, what I think is a pretty cool find. Um, this is 16 Candles. Hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. 16 Candles um, shot glass. If you're a fan of drinking and you're a fan of 80s movies, I mean, then this is your this is your go to. Actually, you can, can see, I <laughs> it's got um, it's got what's her face. And it's Molly says the, Ringwald. Yeah, you know, what's her face? This is one and of my says, favorite movies ever. This is the single worst day of my entire life, is what it says on the shot glass. So let's start with um, who would like it. Go ahead and put a comment down. And here's what I'll say. Uh, Casey's one of the entries. Here's what I say. Uh, if you want to share this video right now, share the live on either Facebook, uh, throw a comment and tag us on and Twitter or Instagram, YouTube. And, uh, it's, on or, YouTube it's on YouTube as well. YouTube live. Um, if you want to do that, then I will give what you an extra walk? entry walk. You got entry there. I see it. Um, Sean, I don't know if you want it. If you want it, sh shoot a comment saying that you want it. We'll wait. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll wait. Um, no, I will. Uh, I'll see who's done what in the next couple of minutes. And then um, we'll give it away in a, in a couple minutes. So let, let's start with the first question. Every show, uh, Casey, you're no stranger to the to the show. So Seven yeah. Samurai, why did you pick it? You know why? Is because there's a subset of films that I feel like someone like myself, like you, a lot of the people who watch or listen to your show should watch. You know what I mean? It's like that list of like, 
AFI's top movies of all time, like obviously Citizen Kane being like number one, you know, there's a bunch of them. And this is always one of them. And I haven't seen it. And not only that, it is a huge inspiration for so many other movies. And one of them being Star Wars, which obviously is one of my favorite movies of all time, or just sagas of all time. Uh, but um, yeah, so that that was the reason behind it was like, I've been wanting to watch it for a really long time. And I know that it inspired so many movies like The Magnificent Seven and animes and The Mandalorian and all this other stuff. So had to watch it. Uh, yeah, Sean I mean, says he doesn't drink. Ah, all right. Next, we got lots of non-drinking. Wax items, says so. it's on my list, but I've never seen it either. Wax says he does drink. Um, <laughs> he don't violently. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, you're 100 right. It does show up on a lot of lists. I mean, I got I got quite a few books that are about you know top 10, top 100, top 1,000 of the decade, of the century, whatever, and it shows up on a lot of them. Um, I was actually surprised because I thought for sure this was going to play something into your uh, your background on uh, with film and maybe this being part of a class or, or one of your college studies. So, um, but yeah, I mean this, the, the inspiration for this, which I'm sure is going to be a running thing throughout the show is how this movie has inspired so many other things. I mean, like we said, it came out in 19, it says 1954. However, the release in the U S wasn't until November 19th, 1956. Uh, but regardless, I mean, for, for a foreign film to be so, abundant on these lists you don't see that very often um so yeah i mean definitely not a movie i'd seen before i am a huge fan of old films too like citizen kane and uh maltese falcon and stuff like that but i had not seen this one before and uh, i'm not gonna lie sitting down to watch it and realizing oh it's three and a half hours (laughs) and then hitting play and realizing oh it's entirely in subtitles I, I walked into this with with kind of a begrudging. Uh, that attitude. was your first text to me, like, <laughs> "Oh, great! I gotta read for three I gotta, and a I half hate, hours. I hate it. Uh, I gotta pause it every couple of seconds to sound words out. It's awful. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so yeah, like we said, the runtime two hundred eight minutes, three hours and twenty eight minutes. Yeah. Um, let's go through the baseball card stats. You know, the budget for the film hundred and twenty five million yen which is okay. uh, roughly equivalent to $1.1 million. The box office, oh, okay. it's, not, it's, not, it's not too bad. <laughs> but, but for 1954, <laughs> it's, it's huge. This is going to be, right. uh, we're going to talk about the distributor and, and the producer of these this movie, but this ends up being one of the largest budgeted movies of its time. And it goes yeah. over budget two or three times on to get that 1.1. But the payoff's there. I mean, the box office, 268 million yen or roughly 2.3 million. It doubles its budget for being one of the biggest budgeted movies, which is huge. Um, so it's a hit right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know some equivalents of that at, at the time, you know what I mean? Because I think to the best of my knowledge, this is pre spaghetti Western, right? And spaghetti Westerns owe a lot to this movie as well. So like, I feel America wasn't doing things of this scale. You know what I mean? Like we're in the Western era of cinema as well as like Cary Grant things. And you know what I mean? Like maybe some dramas and stuff like that, but we're not doing, if we're doing a war movie in America, it's, you know, world war two, world war one, we're doing things like 
that nature. So we're not doing like something like this. So we covered that a little bit um, uh, back in our episode. What episode was it? It was the one I should know this because it was one of my favorite movies that we've covered on the podcast so far. I did it with. Um, shoot, I'm drawing a blank right now. This is it was one of my favorites too. 1917. I did it with Vance. Ah, yeah. um, but uh, we covered it a little bit in that episode that there wasn't much about World War One because if America's not in the war, they're just not really interested in watching about it. I mean, that's what it comes down to, um, which is why you see so much about World War II. Uh, before we get any further, let's go ahead. Uh, walk shot class, yours, my friend. 16 candles. I'll drop it off of the studio. Um, I'm going to go ahead and write a little post-it note on that so I don't forget. Uh, you need to share it with somebody. You have to You have to do a shot with it uh, live on your show. That's what I want to say. Oh, so, yeah, you should do that. That's a great idea, actually. Um, so yeah, so we, we've kind of beat around the bush a little bit. Let's go ahead and throw it out there. And, and this is a topic I really want to get into detail on. Uh, it's the idea that... When you watch old movies like this, it's really hard to understand the significance of the film because you're living in a world that's post that film. And what I mean by that is uh, this movie, 1954, is really the first time that we see on screen. There you go. Um, It's really the first time you see on screen this this coming together of of all these different characters in one single mission. I mean, you see that in the Avengers now, one of the largest blockbuster movies happening or, or a series of movies happening right now. But to think of a time in film when that didn't happen. And and this movie is oftentimes noted as being one of the first times you see that. And it can be hard to understand the significance of that when you go back and watch it now, 50 years later, because you're like, well, this just seems like another another movie. I've seen this you know, 100 times. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I didn't think about it like that, but to your point, you know, as we're watching, because like, so typically nowadays when I watch a movie, at least the first time I watch it with a less discerning eye, I watch it for basically just to be entertained. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to take this thing at at face value. You know, there's certain movies um, like bat, the Batman I'm going to see tomorrow. Like I have a little bit higher expectations because I've seen seven Batman movies or or whatever it is, you know what I mean? So I have an idea of what I want, but like with these older movies, I think like I kind of turn on like my film brain a little bit more. And I think about like, what's the settings like, you know what I mean? Like what's the dialogue like, what's the cinematography like, like how is this movie? How is it one of the most significant movies? Like what makes it that way? So instead of just watching it and just like kind of letting it wash over me, I do turn on the the film lens a little bit more. And, you know, to answer your question, yeah, there's seven different storylines almost. I mean, there's one giant storyline as to to what's happening in this movie, but each character is different um, and has their own distinct personality. And you got to follow along with that specific um, character. And I thought that that was really cool because I was like, oh, okay, I have certain samurais that I like more than others you know what i mean and you know i know if this person's going to be in the scene i'm probably going to enjoy it a little bit more than somebody else and etc so yeah that's cool that's that's, yeah that's something i mean like i said we've talked about it a few times on the podcast already but i think this is this movie is a a great highlight of the the 
the reason why you get a big difference between the critic score and the audience score when it comes to these Rotten Tomatoes, you know, um, you have, I think, more the audience who's watching the movie to be entertained. Um, like you said, that that fresh set of eyes. And then you have more the critic who's going to judge it based on cinematography and score and how's yeah. the acting. And um, it, there's no there's no wrong way, uh, in my opinion. It's also why and I'm sure you can relate when I get asked, you know, what's your favorite movie? There's just there's just no real way of answering that. Like, there, it's it, what are you basing it on? There's so many different yeah. criteria. Yeah. Uh, depending on my mood, I might like one movie more than another on any given day. Yeah. So, uh, but to watch a movie like this, I think, in in retrospect, like I said, living in the world post the movie, it's hard to kind of identify, you know, what makes it what makes it good. Um, just a few things I got here. Um, so at the time, like I said, it was the most expensive film made in Japan. Um, originally, it was going to be six samurai, but they decided during the writing that they just that they needed a character that was going to be more off the wall. Can you guess <laughs> which character they added? <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> because I don't know the character names or the the actors' names. I can't pronounce them at least. Um, I called him Crazy Eyes the whole time. He's he's the guy on essentially the cover. If you go to Wikipedia, it's, um, it's Kiku Chio. He's a he's a main star in Japan at the time. He was he was big in Japan. This is equivalent to them bringing in Robert Downey to be Iron Man. Like we need a guy who's gonna who can headline this. He brings an audience with him. Let's make him the Seventh Samurai. And at first, his character is introduced as kind of this drunk, angry guy who starts starts stalking our main samurai. Um, so let's let's get into the details a little bit. The the movie starts off immediately, and, and obviously spoilers moving forward. Uh, the movie starts off immediately, and we have this uh, Japanese town. Now we're talking feudal Japan. So this is uh, 1590, I believe, is the is the year that they use in the movie. So it, it's very much medieval times, if you can imagine. You have an emperor who rules over all of Japan, but then you have these little kind of uh, territories that are ruled by a single individual. And each territory might be made up of, you know, a dozen villages. So we're in one of those villages and it is about to be attacked by a bunch of bandits who decide we're going to come back and attack the village once they've gone through their harvest so that we can steal all their food, essentially. Not even stealing money. We're just going to steal their food. That's how futile we're talking here. Now, if you had to guess how many people are in this village... Mm, maybe like 75 you know not too many not too many at all yeah and once they find out the bandits are coming for them they all shit their pants you have to put it nicely yeah they they (laughs) literally have a 10 minute monologue with each other where they talk about yes they talk about um essentially we should all just kill ourselves like it's it'll be better to die by suicide than it would be to be attacked by these bandits because they're just going to torture us and and just destroy everything that we live for. It's actually a pretty depressing scene. It's, yeah. it's awful to watch these people like bawling their eyes out in the town square, <laughs> like just our lives are over. <clears throat> yeah, and they come up with the idea that we should hire some samurai now because at this point in feudal Japan. The samurai class has been kind of no longer needed by by the emperor because they've introduced gunpowder and such. So the samurai class has been left to be basically uh, guns for hire. 
no pun intended, swords yeah. fire. Like mercenaries almost. Yeah, basically. Um, and they decide they're going to hire some samurai, they think two or three, to help protect the village from the bandits. So they send a couple representatives to the local you know, major town to essentially start offering samurai money to defend them. But what you have to understand, though, about the that samurai, money. Yeah, they're just going to feed you. Come yeah. defend us and we'll feed you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, what you have to understand about the samurai class, though, is, again, very proud group of people. And to be this kind of freelance samurai um, is considered the bottom of the samurai totem pole, if you will. So just by asking them if they are for hire, the samurai are taking this insultingly. Like, what do you mean? How I am not so down in the in the ditches that I could you know be for hire. Um, not nothing uplifting about this movie so far at all. What what are your thoughts? Why? I mean, because at this point we're about forty minutes in. I mean, this movie. I I don't want to say it's slow because I don't think it was a slow movie at all, but it it the plot develops uh, in in very rich long scenes. Yeah, you know, I knew we were going to talk about it. Like, as far as length goes, it doesn't feel slow. Because, like, my wife was, like, watching it. I mean, it took a long time, obviously, to watch it, like, several days for me. Mm -hmm. And um, she's just like, oh, do you like it? And I was like, I'll save my judgment. But I said, (laughs) it's it's not a slow movie. It does move. Like, again, it's an older movie. They don't cut the way that we cut now, which is like every two seconds, right. like it, they let the scenes play out, but I feel like they were significant to what the story that was supposed to be told. Like, and I was thinking in my back of my head, like as this was over, I was like, what would I have cut to make this movie shorter? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what you know, nowadays we're not going to do it. Well, I say that. I mean, I'm going to go see Batman. It's three hours long. So, <laughs> and you know, we. But it's we rare. Have, it's rare. It's nowadays. rare, like Titanic or Braveheart or something. It doesn't happen that often nowadays. So, but where would I cut this movie for three hours? And it's more like I would probably just accelerate it a little bit. Like they spent a lot of time finding the samurais. It probably would have been like they're at a bar. <laughs> right. You know, what I mean? like I just want to. I just want to tweak some things to kind of rush along. But at the same time. I got to know everybody. I got to yeah. know all those villagers. I got to know every one of the samurai. So it's like, could I? And it would have had the same impact. I don't know. So, so far, um, yeah, the beginning of the movie, I would say is the quote unquote worst part is, you know, because I know what the point of it is and it just is going to take a little bit. But I will say once they introduce the samurais, Mm-hmm. And like getting them from then on, I don't think about the time. Yeah, personally, I, I agree one hundred percent. I also <laughs> think that, um, like you said, we, you get to know each samurai individually as they enter. Yeah. I mean, they even have a couple scenes where you have these samurai. So the the idea is they eventually get one samurai to sign on, um, and I'm I'm gonna butcher his name. So we're like again, we're gonna go with initials. That's uh, KM. KM signs on. And he is essentially, he's a little bit older of a samurai. He seems very respected. They find him because he agrees, he shaves his head in order to pretend to be a monk to rescue a child. Now, again, feudal Japan, samurai, 
your braid was considered very much like uh like in game of thrones you don't cut your hair unless you're like defeated and it's it's done in in battle so the fact that he shaves his head willingly just shows that he's willing to put you know saving a child above himself which immediately as an audience member makes you root for him you know he's obviously the good guy he's so moral he's the leader right yeah so so he he comes in with the to the villagers and basically says like i got you let me let me kind of take over looking for the samurai and because of this um moral thing that he did uh, immediately a towns member comes up to him and is like i pledge my life to you like i want to follow you around and be your number two and learn everything i can from you so he's kind of got a second samurai already although he's not a samurai he's he's a guy who wants to be a samurai so the two of them start trying to recruit other samurai and you even have these scenes where you think i mean nowadays like you said this whole thing would would have been sped up so you you would think that okay we got the first samurai here's the second the third here's the fourth and fifth together done but in here it's like you have one that comes over well no he says no you got another one that comes over oh and he's insulted he walks like so you have these kind of false attempts here i shouldn't say false attempts but these these characters that show up that don't wind up being a member of the seven but slowly over time, you get a second and then a third and then a fourth. Um, and I, like, like you said, I, I really, you get to know the characters. It builds up. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed watching that. Yeah. I will say, um, going back to our comments about the villagers, apparently there was 101 residents in the village. And our director, who was Akira Kursawa. Kurosawa. There you go. He wrote a registry for all 110 residents of the village, creating a family tree for each villager to help his extras build their characters and relationships with each other. It's insane. The amount of effort that went into this movie, again, putting it in context of 1954 is insane. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> kind of like the amount of effort that's going to go into our next giveaway guys. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's do some cool stuff. How about this? How about I got some t-shirts we're going to give away. Here's a 2XL. Um, it's a Disney Villains t-shirt. Okay. And I'm going to pair that up with um, another, uh, I think this is also 2XL, Power Rangers t-shirt. It's morphin' time. It's, it's morphin' time, guys. So um, let's see it. Who wants the t-shirts? Throw up uh, a comment or share. Each uh, each comment, each share will get you an entry, and then I'll take a quick scan of who's doing what, and I'll, I'll pick a winner. So uh, that to be announced in the next couple minutes. Um, so we talked about the director uh, one more time, Akira Kurosawa. There you go. Um, did a couple other things in Japan. Um, has credits on stuff as as recently as 2002, where he helped write the Sea Watches, um, which I'm not sure what that is, but. There's I, I tried to look up the both the the production people on this movie as well as the actors to see if any of them translated over into America after this, uh, and I didn't see any American films in anybody's um, uh, cinematography list. So, which is surprising because I the, the popularity of this movie in the U.S. at the time of release, I thought for sure somebody would have gotten pulled to be uh, you know the Greenhorn sidekick or something. <laughs> yeah i know yeah kurosawa died in 98 but because of all the things that he was like a part of 
right you know it's still like inspired by characters of this so even video games movies stuff like that they'll still give him credit even though he had since passed away right yeah because he's um, again this is oftentimes referred to as the assembly of heroic characters to perform a mission this is the first time we see this in film um originally released under the title magnificent seven in the u.s which we know later goes on to be an actual western um Man, it's not rated. However, it's uh, noted for sex and nudity, violence and gore, profanity, alcohol, drug and smoking, and frightening and intense scenes. They do have some pretty crazy stuff happen in a film in 1954 that you would not see nowadays. First off, there is a lot of cussing, which I was surprised, especially by Japanese people. Not, not like I mean, like the samurai of 1950s. I wouldn't expect them to be going around swearing. Um, so that was kind of surprising. There is, I. Th- it's it's slighted for sex and nudity, but I don't think there was any actual nudity. There is implied there's sex. There's butts. There's butt because like those outfits are like a little like whoa. Yeah, I mean they're essentially wearing but, uh, under their their samurai stuff. They're essentially wearing like a sumo kind of diaper. Yeah, like a, I think that's sheet. the butt. <laughs> yeah, crazy eyes walks around with the butt out a lot. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um. It won several awards, including nomination for Best Direction Set Decoration in a Black and White Film at the Academy Awards and Best Costume Design for a Black and White Film at the Academy Awards. The tagline, The Mighty Warriors Who Became the Seven National Heroes of a Small Town. And it is distributed by Columbia Pictures in the U.S. They did remove 50 minutes of the film for U.S. audiences fearing they would be unwilling to sit through the entire picture, which I can 100% see why they would chose to do that. Wow. I am interested kind of to see what that cut would be like. like yeah. They so, lost. so supposedly um, from what I read, the, the actual lengthened version, the 208 minute version that we watched wasn't widespread until the late nineties. So mm. they saw that 50 minute, cut version most of um of the popularity of the film it wasn't until recently relatively recently damn i I do (laughs) (laughs) i do want to read this one item that i pulled from um from one of my sources and it says um this was uh shortly before it became illegal for the peasant class to possess weapons with the samurai class being allowed two swords it was during the period of tayotomo Hideyoshi, the ruler of Japan, known as the second unifier who put an end to the squabbles between lords and responded to the growing influence of Western missionaries by an ultimately ineffective effort to banish them from Japan. As the minor wars between the land warlords had come to an end, many samurai lost their positions, with many of them becoming ronin or mercenaries, which was the lowest class of samurai. For the purposes of this story, we see a range of samurai from the lowest opportunist to the pure at heart. Which That's awesome. <laughs> again, I mean, so Crazy Eyes sees uh, a TM or KM, whatever I was calling him, uh, TM, sees TM assembling this team and, and kind of just starts stalking him, starts following him around. He's kind of a pest. He wants to, he wants to fight. Uh, he's like, they, they first interact with him. He's drunk in the bar. What did you think of him as a character when you first met him? Uh, 
I didn't know he was, you know, if he was actually going to be part of the group. You know what I mean? And like you said, he's a bit of a pest. He's very entertaining. <laughs> um, and obviously things change as the movie goes on. But yeah, at first I was like, oh man, like this guy, <laughs> like, is he really going to be part of this crew? Um, but you always need, you always need one of the crazy, crazy people <laughs> to yeah. join to join a crew. So he, he fit that bill. So uh, back, back to our giveaway, the two t-shirts that's going to go to Jen. Thank you so much for your contribution to this whole thing. Um, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even play. Yeah, there you go. I didn't even play the music guys, the intro music, but we'll I'll have to add that in post. We'll do it in post. <laughs> um, okay. So I have a couple notes here as far as crazy stuff uh, for the time. So it says during the six week uh, screenwriting process, the screenwriters were not allowed visitors or phone calls. Jeez. You've written a couple of screens. How would you like to write in that, those conditions? It'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You get so much done, right? I, I'm not even sure. <laughs> it would be perfect. <laughs> Doesn't sound torturous at all. It also oh, it says <laughs> it er, uh, earned the name world's greatest editor because he would edit late into the night on the same day of shooting. He called it necessary. Jeez. So he's editing the movie while he's making it. That's incredible. And we I, do know, that I just, now. I could oh, see God, that. Man. I could yeah. see that uh, being the way to do it because I mean, you're fresh. You want to, you know, what shots are good. Um, you want to just, but I mean, the editing process at the end of making a film is pretty long nowadays too. I mean, movies get edited for like almost a year. It's insane. A lot of that's probably the CGI and special yeah, effects. I was going to say it's mostly special effects. Like now, because we shoot so many things digitally, you could do uh, like a print edit. Mm -hmm. Probably that, weekend you know or like as things are going so that when you're wrapped you just add in that final scene and you could probably have okay this is an idea of what this movie is going to look like probably based off of the storyboards or script or whatever right. um but then yeah of course you gotta go you gotta add in the special effects we shoot a lot of coverage so you can get the different angles and stuff i don't know how they shot things Back then, I, I actually am not entirely sure. This this is a movie that I want to get the Criterion Collection. Uh, oh yeah, you know that set just to see what all those making behind the scenes things are like for how they made this movie. Yeah, so um, it, I mean, it it was definitely intense. A lot of the things I read, and, and we'll go over a little bit uh, in, in a second. Um, but I'm with you. It'd be interesting to see kind of the, the behind the scenes stuff on this one. Especially yeah. again from being 1954. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to harp on that, but it's as a as a cinema fan to see a movie from that era be this good. Um, I mean, we'll we'll get into it at the end of the show as far as whether or not we liked it. But there's there's no question this movie is good. It's on everybody's top 100 list of movies that you need to see, and it's you know 70 years old. So. Um, it's got to at least have some sort of good quality to it. Um, but so back to the film, they he assembles the samurai, including Crazy Eyes, who is the, the drunk guy. Now, he doesn't remain drunk the whole movie, but right. he's definitely the he's the aggressor in almost every situation. He's the comic <laughs> relief. He's the yeah. pseudo. Um, 
yeah, he's the character in the film that you love to hate, right? Like you you root for, but you maybe aren't supposed to. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a great scene where he's attempting to ride this horse that doesn't uh, want to be ridden. And it's very, it's very old, old timey where he's riding the horse to go behind the wall. And then as the camera follows the wall, you see the horse come out and he's him chasing it. Like it, it's kind of that kind of stuff, but it's not campy. I mean, you, I watch it in this film. And even though I know, like when he starts going behind the wall, I know how this is going to end. Yeah. It still made me laugh, you know, because he does play such a serious character, but does the comic relief stuff pretty well. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, you know, obviously I don't know who the actor is of that time, but yeah, he does just a fantastic job in the role and every scene that he's in, you know, like at first it was kind of annoying, but actually it grows on you and you're like kind of rooting for him uh, throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, he's also carrying a different weapon than everybody else. Uh, and I, I had the details as to the weapon's name, but um, I'm not going to waste time going through that. Essentially, uh, the sword that he carries as a samurai is longer than the, the normal samurai sword. So instead of having it on his belt, like you would see a samurai, he carries it like like you would, I don't know, like a flagpole. Like he just kind of walks around with it on his shoulder. Just, you know, and it's so weird to watch him carry the sword like that. And he proves himself to be a good fighter, um, especially when this, the bandits you know, show up towards the end of the film. But even more than that, what I found to be very interesting and I think is, is displaying the movie of the time, he does, he's not the lead of the group. You know, nowadays when you have the budding star come in to the film and he's the comic relief slash aggressor, he's going to be the the guy who's the leader of the group. And he's not, Um, you know, TM remains leader of the group. He remains kind of the dignified father figure, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas crazy eyes is more the, the oldest son, you know, trying to rebel. And the two of them, although they butt heads in the beginning of the film, they, you know, once they're on the same side, they're on the same side and you don't have any sort of inner turmoil in the group. And to me, both those things are things that you see as stereotypes now in these, these sort of movies. I think it's one of those situations where it's a cultural difference. You know, a lot of other cultures respect elders more. Um, You see it a lot in Bollywood movies as well, where they have their cast of um, like older actors who have been in, literally hundreds of movies and those guys and gals get top billing mm-hmm. even though there might be a, a tom holland equivalent who's in the movie as well they might be on the cover poster but the you know the older people are still going to get that like specific screen time and there's going to be a lot of weight behind it and i think that's the thing too with a lot of japanese cinema i see in korean cinema too where it's like Yes, they're they're older actors or whatever, but you still get that um, that respect. You know, we just saw it recently in Squid Game. That older actor, like he he carries his own throughout every single scene, even in in every single. Uh, I think he even got nominated for like an Emmy or something. Like he did a fantastic job. But I feel like, you know, it's sad here in America. It's like unless you're. Anthony Hopkins, you know what I mean? Like it's just there's just not you know Morgan Freeman. There's just like not that many people 
who have the same type of gravitas that you would say, oh, this older person, yeah, I'm going to go see the movie for that. Not, you know, when you pair them up with, you know, a Tom Holland. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who would you rather see, Morgan Freeman or Tom Holland? It depends on the movie. A hundred percent depends on the movie in, in that specific scenario. But I think one of the things that upsets me about Hollywood today, and it upsets me as somebody who likes cinema, I get why they do it, um, is it's one of those, like, I wish you would just do what what is best and not do what you think I like. I mean, right. I, I understand that the big name is going to draw the audience and I don't blame them. It's an investment. I mean, at the end right. of the day, these movie studios aren't making movies because they like making movies. They're making movies because it's an investment. <laughs> yeah, I can put a million dollars in. Right, exactly. So they're going to do what their their you know uh, arithmetic shows is going to put you know sell tickets. The issue I have with that though is I think in some scenarios, not playing into the trope or not doing what's expected could make for a better movie. And as yeah. a movie fan, as a movie fan, I don't care how many tickets you sell. I want to see a good movie. Right. And exactly. um, and. Again, I understand why it's done the way it's done, but I kind of wish that sometimes it would go against the grain every once in a while, you know? Um, so I want to pause there before we get into the bandits showing up and and the Seven Samurai doing their thing. I want to do another giveaway. Uh, so first, let me show you what I'm going to give away. And then we're going to do our big announcement. And then uh, we'll announce the winner of the giveaway. So Oof. the giveaway I want to do here, um, spoiler, and, and I don't want any hate mail, I am not a Star Trek fan, not because I don't like Star Trek. Wow. I've never sat down to watch it. I've never sat down to watch uh -oh. it. I'm sure if I did, I would love it. Not um, even the new movies? No, because you know why? Because you I know there was like so that. much history behind it that I figured yeah. if I watched the new ones, I wouldn't appreciate it fully. I, I, I hear great things about the new TV series. So, you know, maybe that's a good jumping off point. I also know that they're going to be doing a lot more with the the brand moving forward um, because they have this huge brand and haven't really done much with it. So maybe it is something I get into eventually. But with that being said, here's the big giveaway, guys. This is a Star Trek book. It's an encyclopedia of the Star Trek ships. Okay. It's this unopened encyclopedia of all the ships from Star Trek. In addition to that, in addition to that, so one package, I want to give away other things as well. And that is all these replica ships that I have. I have uh, five of them total. Uh, I don't know what ships they are. Maybe you guys will. There's one. Um, there's two. There's three. Um, there's a fourth one. And uh, that I don't even know if that's a ship. It looks like just a pyramid of some kind. But this looks um, so boring. That's that's the giveaway. <laughs> Five Star Trek ships and the encyclopedia to go with it. If you want it, throw a comment in the bottom or share this live or share the video later when it comes out on video, um, video and DVD, VHS maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, here's what. So for that giveaway, uh, we're gonna announce that probably next week. Um, after the show has been released. Um, so it gives everybody a chance to enter because I think that's going to be a big one, hopefully a popular one if you're a Star Trek fan. Um, now time for the big announcement. So thank you. Um, this is season three, episode eight. Um, and I just want to say I started the podcast uh, shortly after the pandemic started, probably for the same reason that most people started podcasts around the time. I was bored. I was trapped in my house and I just wanted something to do. Um, 
Casey had been doing podcasts. Me and Casey have been friends for a long time. And I, I've been on a bunch of podcasts. We had done um, those geeks you know for a while. And I really enjoyed it. But more so, I wanted to do my own to kind of get my own message out there and my own, um, you know, thoughts about things. And I am a huge movie fan. So I ultimately settled on this. Um, I've had a great time doing it. Uh, but with the pandemic hopefully coming to a close here soon, who knows, but more so my time filling up with a lot of other uh, projects that I'm working on, family time, you know, my kids are getting older. Um, I just don't have the the dedication that I did when we started um, to be able to devote as much time as, as I can to this. So um, we, I've decided to step away from Gutsy Media Podcast and... Um, we are going to wrap up the podcast with our 11th episode this season. So um, we had the live show today. That'll hopefully get released out on podcast uh, in the next uh, day or two. And then um, me and Dan from Critical Mass recorded a podcast because I, I do record these in advance. So um, we'll have that one coming out on March 14th that we did uh, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Um, then I did a show of my wife, Jen. That'll be March 28th. That's Empire Records, one of her favorite movies and mine as well. And then we're going to wrap up the podcast with episode 11 coming out April 11th. My guest that one, uh, that show is going to be Alec Weck. He was my first guest and he'll be my last guest. Uh, he has not picked a movie yet, but I will keep you guys informed when I have that. Um, listen, I've really enjoyed this. I've, I've appreciated all the feedback and the support that I've gotten from my friends and family and the few fans that have reached out. I was astonished at the response I got with not just the popularity of the show, but how far reaching it is, um, you know, to have downloads in Russia and Europe and Africa and, you know, Central America and stuff like that has been just insane. And I really appreciate it guys. Uh, the podcast will stay up for a while. So feel free to share it with your friends. Uh, if you're, if you enjoy watching it and you're having a good time. And um, I do plan on keeping the letterbox um, account active on social media, maybe even the Facebook. I don't know, but uh, we will shut down the Instagram and the Twitter. So um, if you want to keep in touch or if you want to revisit the show at a later time, make sure you subscribe um, both on YouTube, uh, Facebook and letterbox. So with that being said, yeah, guys, uh, that's the big news. <laughs> Uh, Casey, it's, it's, it's meant a lot to have your support during this. I mean, we joke around a lot about DFAT and, uh, what you and Chris put us through, but realistically, uh, realistically, this vision that you've had, um, you know, for, for the network has been just astonishing. And, uh, I can tell you that I personally really appreciate it. And I know a lot of the other guys do too. Well, thank you for doing this. You know, I, I like you said, you've known you for a very long time and, um, I'm glad that you've done this podcast. Part of me is mad because I think you do a really good job. You're very organized and I think you could still do it. But never say neighbor. <laughs> never say never. So, well, or neighbor. Never say neighbor. Or neighbor. I also can't believe you're going to talk about Eternal Sunshine without me. It's in my top five movies of all time. <laughs> but I, I look forward to listening to the episode. <laughs> Great, man. I'm, I'm, I look forward to, to having your critique on it afterwards. I'm sure I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> ah, man. Um, Bittersweet. 
it's bittersweet for sure. I mean, like I said, I've, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed doing it. Uh, we almost hit 50 episodes, which is, I mean, it's a lot of movies. Just do um, it. Just do it. <laughs> just go um, but it. I can't, I have a lot of other obligations <laughs> that I've signed up on and, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like the more you do it, the more it kind of becomes work and the more it becomes work, the less fun it becomes. And it just, I've, I've had a really good time doing it and I want to stick with, you know, ending it on a, on a somber note that I, you know, that it was fun for me still. Well, let's yeah. Leave on a high note. Uh, we still have the next half of this episode, so it's Yay. not all tears and buttholes, <laughs> but yeah, we'll. <laughs> it could be all buttholes if you really want it to be. Um, yeah. So, okay. So they get the samurai, they get them back to the village and now it becomes kind of training. They're training the villagers to do some sort of defense and they're, you know, creating the, these barriers. Cause again, we're talking a small village in the hills, in the mountains. So they have some natural barriers around the village. They create other ones with you know roads in and out. Um, and they're kind of preparing. So how do you feel about this whole preparing stage of the film? Because this winds up being about a half hour, 45 minutes of the film. So this I loved. And the reason why is because this is with the filmmaker brain. How many times have we seen this scene in cinematic and movie TV history where we see these samurai training, these stupid ass villagers they don't know how they're doing. <laughs> then all of a sudden they're getting better. And then, you know, set up these barriers. Like I've seen it in Army of Darkness. We just saw it in Shang-Chi. I saw it in Mandalorian season one. Like, I mean, I've seen that scene so many times. And I was just like smiling because I was like, this is the scene. Yeah. This is the inspiration for all of that other shit. Like, so it, it, was, re it was really cool. Was what's cool. crazy is you watch this film now. Yeah. And there isn't much difference between no. then and now as far as how the scene's set up. Yeah. It's like, the same thing. It's the same thing. It, you have these quick, I don't want to say quick shots, but you have these shots where they're like, we got to block this off. Make sure you bring that over. And then we'll, we'll steer them over here. And it's like, you totally know what's going to happen. You, you, yeah. you see how they're setting it up. And yeah. what's crazy is, um, and, and maybe it's not if you lived in the time, but how this, this final battle happens is not what you typically see nowadays. I mean, typically, and, and I'm in my mind, I'm seeing like the Transformers battle in New York, you know, where it's this huge, epic explosions, Michael Bay, you know, things are on fire for no reason. It's crazy. But this, this battle winds up being like a half hour long and it winds up being these kind of guerrilla tactics sort of, you know, picking each other off because you have 101 villagers plus seven samurai and the bandits show up and they're about 30 deep. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you have 30 trained bandits versus a hundred farmers who, who two hours ago wanted to kill themselves at the mere yeah. thought of facing <laughs> the bandits, yeah. you, you, you kind of feel like the, the care, the uh, villagers might be outnumbered here. Yeah. I thought that was, that was a really cool uh, dichotomy. I also thought a lot of, westerns you know what i mean it's just it's so many westerns and oh, obviously they got it where it's just like you would hide inside of a building you you, you know you hit out a window to look out the window <laughs> tag you know get one guy out of the group of band i mean it's it's really like you know you gotta think like, what what original idea did we have 
in, <laughs> in westerns that didn't come from this movie because it's just there's so many of it you know yeah because the bandits have to come in the village to to kill anybody or to steal anything so you have these scenes where these bandits are running up and essentially the samurai block the only entrance and allow yeah. one or two to run by <laughs> Yep. And then chase the other ones away, you know, with this wave of people. And the one or two that get into the village, they they basically chase down and kill. And they they uh, pick them off, you know, a couple yep. here and there um, yep. in those kind of tactics. So uh, the note I have here is after three months of pre-production, it had been 148 shooting days spread out over a year. Four times the span covered in the original budget which eventually came to almost half a million dollars. Toho Studios closed down production at least twice, each time the director calmly went fishing, reasoning that the studio had already heavily invested in the production and would allow him to complete the picture. The film's final battle scene, originally scheduled to shoot at the end of summer, was shot in February in near freezing temperatures. So we're talking muddy scenes, Characters wearing essentially wooden sandals and and cloth <laughs> in freezing temperatures. I mean, this was this was an expensive over budget movie, but again, um, came out really well. So, final battle, the villagers win, and then the movie ends. Now, there's a subplot in the movie. There's a love story between one of the villagers' daughters, who he somehow convinces to dress up like a boy so that she wouldn't get kidnapped, even though the village is full of other females. And she falls in love with one of the samurai and essentially wants to be like, there's a lot of implied things that aren't really accepted nowadays. So we're going to skip that subplot (laughs) completely because I I think if you're going to cut, like to answer your question earlier, if you're going to cut this movie down at all, for whatever reason, you're eliminating the whole subplot. You lose the entire subplot. You're, 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 absolutely correct yeah absolutely correct it served no purpose no purpose uh, i mean other than to give all. you the love interest yeah you needed a, a female yeah, but it didn't like drive the plot forward i i love how I mean? he figures the samurai figures out that <laughs> the daughter is <laughs> the, the samurai figures out that the daughter is a is a girl because he sees her walking through the woods now she's dressed up as a boy and has cut her hair she still looks very much like a female, but for whatever reason, it fools him. And it's he's like, hey. <laughs> or, or 1554, whatever. <laughs> he, he says, hey, where are you going? You need to defend the village. If you're if you're a boy, you need to be picking up arms and defending. And she's like, oh, I am a boy, but I and then just runs away. So he goes and tackles her, and upon tackling her, is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And uh, that's how he figures out she's a girl, which is... It was just a really weird scene. But yeah, that's... just for you listeners, you don't saw what, <laughs> di- what Bob did with his hands, which is like basically grope the girl. Right. Well, yeah. So, yeah, it was, you know, one thing I wanted to say real quick. I don't know if you had it in your notes. Do you know Toho? Do you know that company? Uh, it sounded familiar. I didn't. I, I know I know it from something. I'm sure you're going to tell me. What is it? Godzilla. Godzilla. Godzilla is the is the major uh, company that does uh, those films. Toho does yeah, you know what? Godzilla I had films. to. I had seen that in in uh, <clears throat> the research I was doing that they had done. Actually, Godzilla came out either the same year or the year before, 
Very close. A, yeah, yeah, there was a rumor that between this movie and Godzilla, because mind you, Godzilla was also a very expensive movie at the time. Uh, <laughs> She's literally talking about Pretty Woman, Jen. This is not the movie. <laughs> um, that those two movies almost put the studio out of business. Now, I read in other places that that was not the case. Um, but regardless, two very expensive movies, same studio in the matter of a couple of years. Two wins. Yeah, two wins for sure. Yeah, I mean, both yeah. movies went on to spawn a whole series of uh, of copycats and and ripoffs. Um, so yeah, the, so obviously the samurai win. The bandits are are chased away or, or really just killed completely, yeah. and uh, and the movie just kind of ends. There really isn't any you know ride off into the sunset. Here are where the characters are now. Twenty years later, like some some movies nowadays do, it just kind of ends. Yeah, you know. And you're you're left thinking like, how does rice sustain people so much, <laughs> or or millet, yeah, <laughs> whatever that is, which I think is just like, it's so like wheat, right? Like, well, so I actually I actually found an article about that that I raw wheat? forgot most of it, but it, it said basically it's like mushed up rice mixed yeah. with like a, a a goat milk, like it's just paste. It's gross. Uh, I don't know why anybody would want to eat it, but I'm assuming you don't have a choice. Um, so with that being said, um, let's go ahead and announce one more giveaway, and then we'll go into our questions. Uh, again, questions created by our Crackpot team to determine if this was a good movie. Uh, I want to give away this massive figurine from Alien. Um, Lambert from Alien. That's the, the character. This is pretty cool. Um so if anybody wants that, go ahead and comment uh, or share the live stream, and uh, we'll pick a winner in a second. Casey, if you want this, you let me know, buddy. I'll enter you as well because I know you're a collector like I am. Uh, and you're a huge Alien fan, aren't you? You like those horror movies? Just um, a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get into our questions. Finally, some music. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, you've been on the show before. We got new questions every season. Season three was no different. Uh, so, question number one. Does the progress and rhythm of the movie fit? Yeah. You know... Uh, love story aside, I thought good pacing. Um, that's really it. You know, that's the only thing that I think I would really cut. I don't think it would equal an hour or 50 minutes. You know what I mean? It'd probably take out really like 10 minutes of the movie, but, um, that's the only thing where I, I really feel like if there is something to slog, uh, it would be that. And, um, yeah. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You know, if you would have told me that I would think that the progress and rhythm was good for a movie that was three and a half hours long, I would have called you a liar. But the movie actually <laughs> flows really well. Text <laughs> <laughs> you know, you watch, I think what it does well is you watch movies of this length nowadays, and there yeah. typically is like a section that you can cut out. Like yeah. I could have done without that whole middle section, yeah. or I could have done with all that. But in this movie, 
um, like you said, the love story aside, because it really isn't a big part of the film. You're going to get, if you were to cut that, you'd maybe get 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, the, the movie flows really well. There was no point in the movie where I thought I could have done without this. Um, the, the progress is enough where it keeps you involved in each scene mm-hmm. while also kind of spreading out the filler. So um, I thought it d- done very well. Agreed. All right. Question number two. What, mm. if any, part of the film speaks to you and why? Hmm. That's a, that's a really good question. Mm. Um, I guess, like, you know, we talked about it already a little bit, but the whole training people, you know what I mean, and getting in, in the tactics. I mean, Home Alone. You know what I mean? Like, here's a battle map. Here's yeah. a, here's where these people are going to come from. These are the traps I'm going to set for them. You know what I mean? It's it's really all there. And, and you know, um, from, so from a cinematic standpoint, that scene alone is the crux of so many pieces of pop culture uh, that I think it... it probably would be the thing that really sums up everything so I, I love that scene it happens in alien you see that in <laughs> alien they, they, they prepare the ship they're going to get our weapons together let's go through this final stance um no i'm with you the only thing i would say is i would expand that i honestly the, the part of the film that speaks to me is the entire film and and i say that <laughs> I, I, well, I, there, I, <laughs> I got covered it all i don't mean it like that i mean it in the sense that you know as, as a, a cinema fan as somebody who has, again, has all these books with the top whatever movies of whatever period of time you want to discuss, to see this movie on so many lists and finally get a chance to watch it, you know, I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate being able to check this off my my ultimate list of, you know, this movie speaks to me because it has impacted so many other things that I've loved. Um, and, and that's why I, I say that. That's why I say it's the whole it's the whole film. Uh, so question number three, what is the most important sequence of the movie? I mean, you kind of already covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I got to pick a specific sequence. Ooh. I, you know what? There's a crazy eyes gives a speech um, in the movie. And I didn't know what it, what he was saying. Cause it was Japanese, but the subtitle said um, basically it was this heroic speech of stand up and, and fight, you know, don't, don't be a, a bunch of pansies, you yeah. know, fight for what, what is yours. And that's got to be a pretty significant and important part of the film there with this idea of like what happens is, and we kind of glanced over it a little bit when we were summarizing the plot is he comes across some armor. And when he reveals it to the rest of the samurai, the other samurai are like, you idiot, that's samurai armor. They, the villagers have that because they've killed samurai before. And there's this moment of like, are they going to tell the villagers to F off now? Like you killed our people and now you mm-hmm. want us to save you. And mm-hmm. crazy eyes gives this kind of speech of like, you know, these people need us and what they did before this, as far as killing samurai, they did for a reason. And th- this is different. This is a different time kind of thing. And I think that was a really important sequence. Cause I think that unified the samurai and also got them on page with the villagers that listen, we all know the big bad secret but we're still in this because we're good people. There is, to your point, another scene with Crazy Eyes where there is that one samurai who is like, I'm going to go get that musket. And he just like disappears, gets it, 
doesn't yeah, say that guy anything. was badass yeah, by the way badass. he just sleeps right he just mm-hmm. goes he did what he had to do we don't have any idea and he just disappeared so crazy eyes is jealous and is like oh, i'm gonna do the same thing so he goes out in a smart way he kills one wears their armor tricks them, kills another one and i thought that that was really cool but then he made a big show of it like look at mm-hmm. this i got this musket blah, blah blah and they're just like you don't have to do that like that that is not the honorable way to do it and i well, thought that that was really cool too yeah, not only that, but when he comes back with the musket, the main samurai TM is like, "You're supposed to be guarding, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the river. You're screwed over. Like you everybody. left your post to go do mm-hmm. this, and then a couple yeah. guys get through and wind yep. up killing one of the villagers. Um, so he kind of blames himself for that, as he should. He but should. it's just a point of like, you know, we sent this guy, we 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 had it covered. You." exposed a weakness in our defense because you wanted to show off and you kind of see the inexperience from his character which again leads to growth in the character as the movie goes on i mean the one thing i will say i mean we we covered the three questions Uh, i'm getting ready to ask you but i'm actually going to chime in first so that i can steal all of your thunder on a scale of one to ten dear podcast (laughs) on a scale of one to ten one being horrible and ten being a masterpiece uh i would give this movie probably an eight and a half and as a movie from 1954, I was not expecting that. I was expecting to watch this movie and appreciate it for being an old movie that everybody loved. Um, but I was truly entertained. This movie is worth watching even today. It is entertaining. It's a good movie. And it's got so many nuances and character development. I mean, granted, it's three and a half hours, but it's a good movie. It's a good yeah. movie that I would recommend to cinema fans now. Um, even, even if you don't think you're going to like it, give it a shot. But, uh, but Casey, what do, what do you think? One to 10. I, I would say, cause you know, IMDB had it, has it like an 8.6 or something like that. I think it's even higher amongst like normal people or something, but <laughs> I, I would say it's, it's probably a nine for me um you know the the girl love plot is stupid um there's some things with like the villagers that probably could be cut down a little bit you know what i mean like where they're whining and all that kind of stuff but like overall it doesn't bother me so much but the fact if you were just going off of cultural impact this movie gets a 10 oh 100 percent gets a 10 you know, there's just some little things here and there for the time and all that stuff that might go down. Like, you know, if you ask me Citizen Kane, it is a 10 for so many reasons. But like, yeah, you know, um, just a great movie. Just it, like it didn't feel long. I enjoyed myself. I was smile. I was laughing. Yeah. Like, legit. Like, OK, that guy's funny. Like, yeah. these guys are funny. Like, So, yeah, I was just like the technical achievement man i mean do you agree with me like were you surprised at how entertained you were by a movie that that is so old and is foreign and is long yeah yeah it was um because because you know you never know like Mm -hmm. where these movies are gonna lie because like you see something like um dr strange love which i think is a great i love i think it's a funny movie the movie's crazy it's crazy movie. Like there's so many people who would be like, this is a horrible movie. You know what I mean? (laughs) And like, so, but it's considered one of the greatest movies of all time. So there's just so many like divisiveness 
that goes into cinema in general, I feel like this is pretty much one of those like universally lauded movies and I get it. Like I got it. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this makes sense. I understand why it's it is what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So let's move on to our next segment and everybody's favorite, guess that tomato. Oh man. Oh, that wasn't the right music. There we go. I love a good tomato song. <laughs> any any vegetable-based uh, music I'm into. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes scores movies. Uh, we're looking for the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes for 1954's Seven Samurai. Zero to 100. What do you say, Casey? Aren't you going to give me like... Something you gotta to guess go first, of? then okay. I give you some hints. Okay, okay. Audience score. Audience score. 97. 97. Okay. I'm gonna give you the critic score, and then I'm also gonna give you three movies that are plus or minus two percent of this movie score. Okay. Critic score, 88 critics rated this movie an average of 100. I've never seen a perfect 100. Um, that's insane. That's insane. Not so much that it got one, a 100, but the fact that 88 separate critics agreed on that, which is, I mean, critics it's are because of that cultural impact. It really is. It, it, really, it, is. I, it really is that. Uh, okay. Here are your three movie hints. Uh, for season three, we're going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here we go. Number one, the good Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Why is it good? Do I need to describe any of it? I mean, the movie is insanely phenomenal. Not to me. (laughs) This, you can't watch this movie and not be in awe of at least the visuals. Um, As somebody who did not know anything about Miles Morales prior to watching it, at at least very minimal, I guess I should say, um, the movie's movie's great. I mean, do I need to go into any more detail as to why that's the good? The bad. Melissa McCarthy's spy. Why is it bad? It's a Melissa McCarthy as a spy. This, I mean, do you even remember this movie? I know Jason Statham's on the cover of the poster. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> she is essentially like a paper pusher at like the yeah. FBI or something. And all the other agents get called away on something. And she's the only one left. And she's got to be the actual agent out there. And it's, it's an awful premise. It was an awful movie. That is the bad, and is somehow within 2% of this movie. And lastly, the ugly. Netflix, The Irishman. Why is it ugly? I still haven't seen it. Robert De Niro gets de-aged in this movie, and it has been... They had fans on YouTube who corrected the CGI and reposted scenes <laughs> The Master in Disguise. That's also a bad movie, isn't? That's the one that's only like like an hour long, right? It's not even a full movie. It's like an SNL episode. (laughs) Um, that yeah, that the 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 Irishman, bad CGI. These are um, all within two, all within two percent of our movie, nineteen fifty four Seven Samurai. So, Casey, you guessed a ninety seven. Do you want to change your guess? I'm going to keep it. All right. The correct answer is... Ninety-seven. 
Exactly. How yeah. that's that's insane. That's insane. I never get this. I never get this. 97. So this movie has a 97 audience rating. That's over 50,000 different ratings and 100 from critics. That's, I mean, that's all you need to know. What's Master, not Master, what, which is um, the uh, Melissa McCarthy? What is the that? Spy? Rating? Like yeah. 95? Jeez. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I, I liked it. it. You liked it. That's all there is to say. Uh, but before I let you go, Casey, it is a firm believer of the owners that don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something. It might not be movies and comic books. Maybe it's saving villages and, and walking around with a giant samurai sword. But I got to ask you, what is it you're geeking out on? Currently, Archive 81. Uh, I started it. A couple days ago, um, about two and a half episodes in, it's based off of a podcast. It is creepy, and is, it's produced what is by James Wan. It's on Netflix. Um, it's it's probably up your alley. And then, uh, you know, the Batman, which is being lauded as a uh, film noir that Seven meets the Zodiac meets Chinatown, and I was like, oh great, my my good friend who loves all of those things plus batman is not going to be there with me tomorrow yeah, I'm not but, going you know me. i just whatever here's the thing i do want to see the batman obviously well, you have to yeah um I, here's what i'm worried about though so when they when they cast robert pattinson i like mm-hmm. most people was like no don't do it and then as time went on Great as actor. i did with everybody else i was like i'll give him a shot um, I had no interest in seeing this movie. I thought Ben Affleck did a good Batman. I've liked um, Justice League, and I've liked uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I've liked, you know, the, the um, uh, Dark Knight versus Superman. I've liked those movies. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I wasn't really looking forward to this, but it's gotten such high praise that I'm worried that now my expectations are going to be high, and I'm not going to like it. Now I'm worried I'm not going to like it. I thought my, I wasn't going to like it, but now I'm worried I'm not going to like it. They're low, to be quite honest with you. They're low. Um, but, you know, I'm still geeking out on the fact that I'm seeing a new Batman movie. That's a true. solo Batman movie, which we really technically haven't seen since The Dark Knight Returns. So, Do you, do you think yeah. that Warner Brothers is going to get their act together with, with their properties? That's another podcast. That another is time. another podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so listen, uh, Casey... Alien uh, is yours. I think I deserve it after you getting do. that Rod Tomato score. <laughs> That's yours. Um, walk, you'll get the shot glass, the two shirts going to Jen. Star Trek, comment, um, and I will post something up on social media sometime next week with who won. Uh, in order to enter, just throw a comment at the bottom of this video or share it. Either way, you get an entry for, for either one. Um, the big announcement was uh, we are retiring the podcast after episode 11 so uh thank you to all that support it and uh we Casey, love you bob thanks for thanks for being on my show man i appreciate thanks it thanks for having me on it's sad to see you go i've enjoyed every one of these episodes so i um i'm sad but you know i'm happy that you're doing what you did thanks man i appreciate it let's uh outro music